From Indiana Public Radio and Ball State University, this is The Scene, the show that captures live music right from our own backyards and brings it straight to you. I'm your host, Christopher Golab, and this week we're bringing you SM Wolf, an Indianapolis-based power-pop rock band from performances in seasons 6 and 8. We were also able to get an exclusive interview with Adam Gross, the frontman, singer, songwriter, and guitar player for the band. But first, join me as we travel back to season six at the Hi-Fi in Fountain Square on June 21st, 2015. Do 
You're listening to SM Wolf on the scene from Indiana Public Radio. It's really great to meet you, Adam. Thank you for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'd like to kick off this interview with a personal question. How did music become your passion? Oh, man, that's really... (laughs) Man, I started pretending to play music like as far back as I can remember. My Both of my parents were like really into music and both really had rock star dreams, but they didn't really have any musical skill. Uh, My dad, a little bit, he kind of could play drums and could sing pretty well, but like neither of them really pursued anything. So I think that they kind of just uh, instilled that in me from a young age with like music being all over everywhere. I have a picture of me. I'm like three years old with this like fake red plastic guitar microphone amplifier combo that they bought me playing on like a cardboard box that I set up as a stage at one of my mom's Tupperware parties. I've always wanted to do it, I guess. In elementary school, I did band and played clarinet and saxophone and that was fun enough but I went to a uh, Tony Bennett concert with my grandma after the concert I was like man he was so good it was so exciting and she was like if you could play any other instrument what would you play and I said guitar the next day we went to a pawn shop and bought this super cheap acoustic and like that was really my intro into like taking it seriously songwriting and really learning how to play music uh i cared about you know not just ode to joy or something i appreciate you sharing that personal story when was your first band like right after that it was really cool because i learned how to play guitar like at the exact same time as one of my best friends who was also named adam and uh his stepdad was a bass player so they had a bass so like he was playing bass i was playing guitar and then our other friend named adam got a drum kit and just like fumbled his way through and that was our first band we were probably like 13 or so it was called prone it was terrible but yeah that was my that was my first band when did you start writing music like right around that same time uh i took i got like a book and i started learning like chords i was kind of fumbling through that and i had like a distant uncle who came over and he played music i didn't really grow up with him so like i kind of just started to get to know him right around that time and he was like i'm going to teach you two chords a minor and e minor and just play those back and forth until your hands want to fall off and i did and then he taught me how to read like a chord chart so i just started picking through the chords in the book that i had back in the day when magazines were more common i used to buy guitar world or guitar player every month And in the back of those, they would have tabs. And I like learned how to read tabs from that. Probably like a year after I started playing, figured out what a power chord was. And then like, boom, just wrote five songs right away. You know, (laughs) like the having the power chord at my disposal really opened up a whole world. I definitely agree. Power chords definitely changed the game forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for sure. So you, were you writing music for that first band you were in? Yeah, yeah. It was it was like half original, half cover things that we were doing. The first song I ever wrote was called Problems. And it was like very high school, like exactly what you would think, expect like a high school punk or like rock band. They were all, you know, pretty similar to that. 
once I figured it, once I wrote like one song, it was just like the floodgates opened. I'm Adam Gross, singer and guitarist for Indianapolis band SM Wolf. You're listening to The Scene from Indiana Public Radio. So you can offer a bunch of answers for this next question, but who would you say influences your writing the most? Yeah, that is a bunch. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I was raised like on the Beatles and Hendrix and, and Pink Floyd. So like, you know, that just seeps into your like blood. Probably more John Lennon than anyone else in the Beatles influence, though lately I feel like I've been ripping Harrison a lot. Like Hendrix is my favorite guitar player, so when it comes to guitar stuff, it's generally Hendrix inspired. 
when I hit like high school, I really got into like quirky off kilter stuff. Sid Barrett from like the first songwriter for Pink Floyd is probably my favorite songwriter of all time. So his stuff definitely plays in just with the like playful, slightly weird aspect of that, yet still like very poppy. So can you explain your songwriting process and uh, what instruments you use to write? Well, I write generally with melody first. My songwriting process is usually like just sit around and wait for something to come to me. And it's usually like a melody and I'll just like mumble that until I can get to a guitar. If there's a piano around, I've written a few songs on piano and sometimes I start with guitar first, but also sometimes I'll start from piano first or something. But generally it's, yeah, it's a melody and then I try to shape chords to, to that. Gotcha. So are there any other creative activities you participate in to maybe combat writer's block? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely periods where, like, I, like, for out of nowhere, in three weeks, I'll write, like, six songs, and I'm like, yeah, that's amazing, and it just, like, it happens, you know, because something's in the air, and I feel it, I guess, uh, but then there'll be, like, months where I haven't written anything, and I'm like, all right, man, you gotta do something, <laughs> you know, like, I gotta snap out of this. When that happens, I mean, I, like, creatively, like, I, I really like to draw. I'm really bad at drawing, but like I but I enjoy it. Just I I do a lot of like automatic drawing and and I've done some automatic painting and I think that's really helpful because like it allows me to like stretch my creative muscle but not like overthinking it. Sometimes I'll like draw a little bit just random doodly type things and then color it in and that kind of gets me feeling like creative, you know, or nature uh kayak a lot more this year than ever because there isn't anything to do anymore um taking my dog out to different parks and stuff like that sometimes will snap me out of it too You 
You are listening to SM Wolf on the scene from Indiana Public Radio. So if you could change one thing about the Indiana music scene, what would it be? I wouldn't change anything with the bands. I wouldn't change anything with really with the music at all. I think the music coming out of Indiana is great. It's sincere. It's honest. It's like genuine. It's really unfortunate that every couple months another powerhouse in like the musical world in Indianapolis, maybe Indiana in general, dies. When Nuvo was still in print, they were the only people covering music aside from like the Indie Star who for a long time just did national stuff. It was really cool to like see your picture and have a write up in the paper about you, you know, that gave people the illusion that you were popular and that they should care about you because someone took the time to write about you. And now like Nuvo's moved to being online and has was basically gutted. Like it's still there, but it's not there much. Just this last week, Dave Lindquist, who's the music journalist for the Indie Star, accepted a buyout and they're not going to do it anymore. I remember reading something about how he was like one of the last 20 music journalists left in like local news. That's really bad for a music community, you know, growing up in Elkhart. Like that whole region up there, South Bend, Mishawaka, Elkhart, Goshen, we would have a music venue pop up. It'd be awesome and it'd be closed in a year. And things that made people care about it just come and they go. And and that's really difficult because now everyone is just vying for attention on with Spotify likes or listens and Facebook likes and Instagram likes. And it's it's all super artificial. It's cool that everyone has a blog and a podcast, but... Also, it doesn't like hold the same weight as a print source does. More opportunities to give people recognition, I guess. So both of the performances that we are rebroadcasting on this episode are from the Hi-Fi. Can you tell me a little bit what it's like to perform there? The Hi-Fi has the best sound engineer in the city, Wes Heaton. I mean, they built that room specifically for sound reinforcement you know it's not like a bar that they decided to have shows in or like a theater that they decided to have shows in it's very purpose-built so I think that makes it sound great and then Wes is just super knowledgeable really in control like knows that room really well and has good gear and has a great ear like on stage and in the crowd I think it just sounds great that's certainly the best part I mean they have a they have a nice green room and they always have free drinks and stuff backstage which is cool private artist bathroom which is rare and nice but the sound is certainly the best part would you like to share any interesting stories from playing at the hi-fi I've had some great times there. I, I I opened for Destroyer, who's like I said, Sid Barrett's like my favorite songwriter. Destroyer is probably my favorite like modern songwriter. And I opened for him there and he was flying to Indianapolis and his plane got delayed. So they pushed the show back a little bit and then they're like, Man, you're gonna have to play. Hopefully he gets here. So I started playing and I had planned to just play like like thirty, forty minute solo acoustic set and um the stage manager just kept walking up beside the stage like after 40 minutes like giving me a like keep going 
and I played like every song I had. I played like an hour and a half. Luckily, he got there right around the hour and a half mark, and uh, he didn't have a guitar. His guitar got lost when they were changing planes because like it was on the plane that he was initially supposed to be on or something. So he like had to play my guitar. Um, it was it was great, but it was it was quite an experience. We're about to go to break before we hit season eight material, but stay tuned. We've got more conversation and music coming up soon. Welcome back to the scene from Indiana Public Radio. So this next question is, where does the name SM Wolf come from? Okay. I have done a little research and I haven't been able to find this answer. <laughs> uh, it's a silly story involving me like at two in the morning, walking my dog around a like retention pond at my old apartment complex. And there was a chained up husky in the corner and i thought like in my drunk mind i i thought that maybe it was a wolf because it was like snarling at me and then it jumped out and was chained up i was like self-talking like oh you idiot there aren't wolves in indiana and then like throughout the walk i kept thinking about it and thought like well what if it was a wolf really into like bondage or something and that's why it was all chained up and then i thought like oh it'd be an s&m wolf that's funny. I felt like, wow, what a cool band name. It sounds like a early 20th century author like C.S. Lewis or E. Cummings or T.S. Eliot, how everyone used to do that. That's the story. You know, it's actually funny that you say that it sounds like an author because that's definitely what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. But I would like to say that I do think that it is really cool that you do have a story to go along with that name. I think you're the first person in an interview setting that I've actually told that story to. I generally am like vague and I'm like, uh, I just thought it sounded like an author. I've lied before and said that it's some obscure author. It's a sadomasochistic wolf. That's what it stands for, everybody. All right. Well, then we got the scoop today. (laughs) (laughs) You got the scoop. Here's SM Wolf from season eight. Thank you. Follow us. 
It doesn't take me long 
it doesn't take me I'm Adam Gross from the band SM Wolf, and you're listening to The Scene from Indiana Public Radio. and I play guitar and sing in the band SM Wolf. You're listening to The Scene from Indiana Public Radio. What's it like being a musician during the pandemic? Oh, I mean, it's terrible. (laughs) I I don't know if there's any other way to put that. SM Wolf had an album released in April. Like, we had an album release planned, a show and stuff, and 
That was phases of what? Yeah, phases of what. Luckily, we didn't press vinyl. We just did CDs with song lathe cut into it as like a bonus and cassettes. So we didn't, we weren't out a ton of money, but we had to do a release. We didn't want to sit on it for a year, you know? So we released it and I did a live stream and it really went way better than I was expecting. Like we really had decent sales and we had a lot of people tuning in, but you know, every album I've released, like my entire life, I've had some kind of show and done some kind of fanfare for. It was very different. And SM Wolf has been recording this whole time, but we're recording in like groups of two. I'm like singing scratch vocals through a mask. You know, it's it's just like, it's not the same at all. It like pains me to watch like a a video will pop up of like a show like on my timeline or something and I like can't even watch it because it makes it it like hurts it like hurts my body to not be able to like perform in front of people like live streams are fun I was just talking to someone about this the other day like live streams are cool I think it's awesome that people are doing it I have a little brother who's 17 and he asked me like, what do you think the pandemic would have been like if it happened in like when you were 17? And I was like, oh my God, it would have been so much worse because there wasn't great ways of connecting with people, not in person. Like you could email or you could have a phone call. So like, it is great that we have the opportunity to connect to people virtually and we have the opportunity to connect live and play live for people virtually. I'm glad we have that. but. It is not anywhere close to the same experience. So, so far you've done one live stream with SM Wolf or have there been more? I did one like SM Wolf live stream for phases of what. And then I did a couple for like events back in back in the spring. So do you ever get messages from your audience Or do you find that people are a lot more shy online than they would be if they were to see you live at a show? Yeah, you know, it's I do. I get messages like from friends, you know, who will be like, hey, I tuned in. That was really cool. Like it was fun seeing your dog in the background or something, you know. But um, you don't get the stranger you know, or or the person you don't know very well. Like, you know, you can see who's tuned in and I can see that there are people I don't know tuned in. People are intimidated to just reach out and send you random message from random person. that's like, oh, hey, I liked your thing. It's way easier in person to, you know, walk past the person at the venue after they played and be like, oh man, that was really awesome. So do you think it would be a really cool practice or message to tell people that it's okay to send messages to artists. Oh, yeah, I think that's a great practice. And honestly, like now I'm thinking like, man, I haven't even done that. Like, I really, I really want to do that now because it is like, I mean, me as an artist, like I don't make music for other people. I make it for myself. But it is very important to me to have that like feedback because I'm very unsure all the time. And it's nice to have like that positive reinforcement. And I think a lot of musicians are that way. So, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, people really should reach out and uh, just send a message and like say, oh, that was awesome. Or or, like share it, you know, and say something nice in the share or something like that. 
because like like I was saying earlier, it's, we're in a place right now where like since you don't have that feedback as a musician, like the part of your worth that isn't already ingrained in you is coming from likes and shares and messages and and listens and streams and all of that stuff, you know, and that that really sucks. It sucks to say that and it sucks to be in that place, but it's real. The more people can reach out, I think the better. Yeah, I think that's a very honest and insightful way to look at it. Thank you. And I think the crazy thing about social media is that it's not even close to an accurate representation of your worth, but people rely on it because, like, it's a number. Like, you can plainly see that number. Yeah, well, it's, like, case in point, it's it's really wild. Like, I, I posted a video last night right when lockdown got lifted. I went on a camping trip out to Montana and um I was by myself and I um wrote like a cowboy-ish kind of song and I recorded it one morning in my tent like a video I actually had covid 3 weeks ago now I'm I'm better now but I was in in bed just going through my stuff and I found that video and I was like oh, I'm going to post that so I like edited it and I posted it last night. I posted it at maybe like eight o'clock and by 10 o'clock I had only had like four likes on it. And I started to feel like really bad. And I had to stop myself and be like, dude, it doesn't matter how many likes you get. And then like I got a text message from one of my friends who lives in Tennessee who was like, man, I just watched your video and it was so good. I love that song. And that meant so much to me. And what was crazy is she like didn't like it on Facebook. And I didn't like notice that she had even viewed it, but she watched it and she liked it and she sent me a message and it felt so good. And then like today I woke up and I had a bunch of likes and a bunch of comments and then all of a sudden I felt great. And I hate that. Like I hate that that made me feel good and that I, I wasn't just like satisfied just doing it. But yeah, like. I felt it in real time, you know, and, and and then like that illusion that you think nobody's listening or watching it when really there are people that are probably paying way more attention than you expect. I like things that I don't watch all the way through. And then sometimes I watch something all the way through and I forget to like it because I watched it all the way through and I, I wasn't then just keep scrolling. You know what I mean? It's, yeah, it's, it's a terrible representation. And it's I think as as musicians, we need to snap ourselves out of it somehow I, th- I think it's important to pay some attention to it like there's something there but it's not everything yeah definitely so i've kind of heard this phrase um used for teachers so i wonder if this is something that you have thought of or um do you think that the whole music community could benefit from the idea that like if you could just change one person's life yeah i agree with that. I mean, like I I had a someone send me a message the other day who saw us at a a house show in Boise, Idaho. And it was there were maybe like 15 people there. It was an awesome show. It was in a living room like it was packed with like 15 or 20 people probably. And she sent me a message asking me what like the last song on our first LP, it's called Morning Tides, what that song was about. And she had messaged me before and told me that that song was like, important to her for like some stuff she was going through at the time and I told her what my interpretation of it was and um she was like wow that's really interesting I'd like to share mine with you sometime I think I'm gonna get it tattooed on my arm and I was like what you're gonna 
tattoo this song on your arm and like it's a song that I almost didn't put on the record because it doesn't sound anything like the rest of the record and it's like very left field and I wrote it like years beforehand and I just had it and wanted to put it out so I did it and like now she wants to tattoo it on her arm like that that's crazy I mean it's not crazy it's amazing but like that to me is like that's just one person at this random show that I didn't really think went that well but like for her that song obviously is really important you know so just like you were saying you you make one impact in one person's life and it's like that's that's very important I want to thank Adam Gross for telling that story. It's not very often I've heard about a musician being able to influence someone's life to that degree, so I find that very inspiring. So far, we've been listening to SM Wolf from Seasons 6 and Seasons 8, but these next two songs are from SM Wolf's newest releases, both in 2020. This is Sound Surround from Phases of What?
I'm Adam Gross from the band SM Wolf, and you're listening to The Scene from Indiana Public Radio. That was What Are You Doing? So I have two more questions that kind of work together. And the first one is, do you have any advice for aspiring musicians out there? That can be musicians from Indiana or listening from somewhere else. Yeah, don't wait. Just do it. <laughs> like, don't wait for the right opportunity don't wait until like you have all the gear you want. Just go out and do it. Like play a show. If you want to write a song and you've never written a song, just write a song. Like my first song was terrible. My first 20 songs were terrible. I think I write okay songs now, but it took a long time to get there. You know, like just do it. Just start creating. And once you start creating, more creativity will probably follow. If you hit a rut, that's all right. Take a little break. Do, you know, like I was saying, uh, do something else to snap yourself out of it and keep creating. So I think that just doing it, getting it out there, especially these days, like you can put stuff on Bandcamp and SoundCloud for free. You can put things on Spotify for a small fee. Facebook and Instagram and TikTok are all at your disposal. You can do whatever you want. Like there are so many opportunities to just make music, just do it and and it, don't expect it to be great right away. And if it is great right away, that's amazing. But if it's not great right away, that's very, very normal. I think that's very true. And I do think that there's a lot of unknown talent because of, like you said, some people just haven't done it yet. Have you ever received any advice that you would like to share with an aspiring musician? Yeah, for sure. I've met like some of my idols. Like I've, I've played with Destroyer. I've played with 90% of the Olivia Trimmer Control. Like the two of my favorite bands of all time. Huge influences on me. And I like was always too afraid to ask. But inadvertently they give advice. You know, like I was talking to Will Hart, who's the like one of the songwriters from Olivia Trimmer Control and did a lot of their recording and we were talking about microphones and he was talking about how they rented a Neumann U87 for one album they did. And he was like, but when we didn't rent that, like we just use an SM58, which like for people who don't know, a Neumann U87 costs like six or $7,000 and an SM58 costs a hundred dollars. And that was like not direct advice, but it was like, I was like, oh my God, duh. Like. Of course, this thing that was like crucial to my musical development as a kid, they recorded with a hundred dollar microphone because they were kids when they made it. It was a DIY situation, like just keeping that in perspective, like 
remembering that like the art speaks for itself. That was like a really good inadvertent piece of advice that he gave me, I think. And then like even just like friends have given me good advice and the the one that I've been hanging on to most lately is just like as we've gone through band member changes and things and as I've learned more things as a songwriter and have gotten into new things, our new songs sound nothing like the songs on our first record. Yeah. There's not a lot of connection. And first, I was like, man, I don't know, like phases of what I recorded mostly by myself. And I was talking to some people and I was like, maybe I should just put this out as a solo record because it doesn't really sound like SM Wolf, but I really want to put effort behind it. And I don't want to compete with myself at the same time, you know? A few different people told me they were like, who cares if it sounds the same? Like, SM Wolf started as a solo thing. If the band's fine with it, that shouldn't matter. And like, who cares if it sounds like your first record? And like, thinking about that, though, like, if you're at the point to where you're not living off your music, that's the one bonus is that you can do whatever you want. And if no one likes it, big deal. You have the freedom to do whatever you want. So like, don't box yourself in. You know, I think like, don't box yourself in in terms of needing the perfect gear. And don't box yourself in in terms of thinking like, well, this doesn't sound like what I used to do. If it's what you want to do, do it. Yeah, absolutely. And do you feel like you've been able to reach a wider audience because your music has changed over time? Oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, when Esimal first started, it was more punky, more abrasive, I think. And then over the years, it's kind of like calmed down a little bit. And it's got like there's more acoustic elements and there's more like power poppy elements. And I think that we've been asked to play some things that like we wouldn't have been asked to play before. Is there anything else you'd like to share with the Indiana music community? Sure. Our newest full length is Phases of What that came out in April. Obviously, I would suggest that people check it out. It's on all the streaming platforms and on Bandcamp. That's our third full length. We have a couple albums out on vinyl. And then, yeah, we just released a two song single in October that has a really hard political bent to it called What Are You Doing? That one definitely is more angsty and leans on the punky side of things. If anyone is upset with the way things have been going the last four years, I highly recommend checking that out. Um, and I mean, just in general, I think something that I've realized lately, I was wondering the other day, there's this artist named Richard Dawson from England who I really like. And I was wondering like, huh, I wonder if he's done anything during the pandemic. And I went on his band camp and he released an album during the pandemic of like nine songs. And it's awesome. And I had no idea. And it came out in like July. I thought like, man, I should really follow all the people that I like on social media and like like stuff and like check their band camps and follow them on Bandcamp and like make a Bandcamp account because I always just use it as an artist, not as a listener. So like I went on and I was shocked that there's like all these bands local and otherwise that I really love that I wasn't following, like wasn't following on Instagram. I wasn't following on Facebook. I wasn't following on Bandcamp. I made a Bandcamp listener account and downloaded the app and like it's blown my mind. I've been listening to so much more local stuff. I've been like aware of people putting things out that I wasn't aware of before and like live streams, like aware of those happening. 
I would highly recommend that people go follow all of the people that they like and make a private Bandcamp account. Bandcamp is the best place to listen and buy music from because the majority of the share goes to the artists. Spotify is probably the worst, but it's better than nothing. Listen to as much as you can and uh, follow and, and contribute and just reach out to people, even if it seems super random. If there's an artist that you like, just take a second to send him a message and say, like, I just want you to know I listened to your album today and it's really great because that means more than like you could ever really know. Thank you for your time, Adam. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Major support for the scene comes from the vice president of information technology at Ball State. Ball State's music media production program are underwriters and listeners like you who support their local public radio station. Our show is produced entirely by Ball State students. Kyler Altenhoff and myself are the show's producers and engineers. Our booking and communications coordinator is Gabe Hua. This episode was produced by me, your host, Christopher Golab. Special thanks to the Hi-Fi who let us record this week's artists and to Adam Gross for joining me. A final thank you to the Ethan Hardwick and Kyle Mears who mixed the music from seasons 6 and 8. To find out more about the bands and venues we feature on the scene, visit our website, indianapublicradio.org slash the scene where you can learn more about the program and listen to our episode archive again that's at indianapublicradio.org slash the scene also if you'd like to keep up with what we're up to next follow our facebook page just search for the scene from indiana public radio and find us on twitter and instagram our handle is at the scene on ipr we're also on apple Podcasts and wherever else you find your podcasts give the scene from indiana public radio a search to add us to your favorite podcasting app this has been another episode in our Indiana Man Stays series. Thanks for being with us, and join us again next time to hear what's happening in the scene, here on the scene. The road friends gone gray. You braved every 